Blog Talk Radio. Enter the zone. The Prophecy Zone. Your end time watchman. Bringing you light in a dark world. Where truth is rivaled with a lie. And the matrix is normal life. Luke 21. And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars. And upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud. With power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass. Then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. You are now in the zone. So be ready to enter the light or truth about the end of days. So you will be ready for the coming of the Lord. You are in the zone. The prophecy zone. So join us for the next hour as we look at world events in line with Bible prophecy so you'll be informed and be ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Hello, everybody. This is Brenda Johnson on As the Day Approaches. It is so good to be back with you. It's been quite a while as we've had some, I have had some issues with uh, the Internet. We are now fixed and we are up and running, and I am excited about the show that I have to bring to you today and the upcoming shows. We are still on the subject of Islam We will be on the subject for a little bit longer, but we are focusing on Islamic eschatology. Now, those of you who are unfamiliar with the term eschatology, it's a big word for saying the last days and the end times study. It's interesting to me that at the very time that we as the church have been engrossed in eschatology, so has Islam. Islam, side by side with Christianity, has at the same time been engrossed with their own eschatology. Now, I went to college and I studied Islam. I have also witnessed to is those in Muslims at the University of Minnesota. That's not where I am living right now. But I also uh, was on a couple teams that... Uh, evangelized Muslims, and never had I been taught about Islamic eschatology. Not sure why we as the church have not focused on that part of Islam, but I am amazed to see how Islam is actually playing its role in our end-time eschatology. Now, today we are going to focus we're going to start I'm going to start a two-part series focusing and narrowing down on the Messiah, the Antichrist and the Dajjal, which in um Islam, the Dajjal is their Antichrist. And we are going to focus on Islam specifically in these areas. Now, today's show is called The Messiah, the Antichrist, and the number 666. What and who is the Islamic Messiah? The 12th Imam al-Mahdi 
And what does the Quran and the Hadith predict about his coming? Will he be the last and greatest ruler of mankind, as they claim? Will he be subject? Will he subject all mankind to his rule? Will he conquer the earth? What is the Islamic Antichrist, and who claims the number six six six? Now, in this episode, I will be taking a look at what the Quran and other Islamic writings say about the role of the Islamic Messiah, the Islamic Antichrist which I said is the Dajjal, and the number 666. Now, are there signs that will accompany the the Islamic Messiah before his arrival and while on earth? What about the Islamic Antichrist? I'm going to take a look at pretty much all all of these things today, give and take what kind of time we have uh, to go. So, this is... I wanted to say it's a live call-in show. Those of you who want to join this discussion, the phone number is 347-826-7088. As I go along in the teaching, if you have a question, you have a comment, just give me a call and, and I'll see if I can squeeze you in today. We have a lot to go through and there's a lot on on our plate. So this is going to be a fascinating study for you. It was a fascinating study for me, and I am amazed to see what I have found within the Islamic uh, ideology. Now, Islam does not call itself a religion. They themselves call themselves an ideology. They believe that they will conquer the earth and that they will rule the earth and that the Mahdi will be the one to bring peace and happiness to the earth will solve all the problems. So, with further ado, let's get going on our study. I am, uh, first of all, want to lead you to a couple resources that I have been uh, interested in this week, and one of them is is called uh, YLF Jihad by Wally Shabbat. He has a very interesting take on the Islamic Antichrist and the Messiah. Of course, the scripture is the biggest uh, focus of our day, which is chapter 13. If you're interested in reading over that chapter and seeing where we're going to go with that chapter. I also like to get information directly from Islam and their sites. So there are going to be several different um, sites that I have plugged into during this course of study. Uh, one of them, which you might be interested in looking at, is something written by their prophets or by their uh, uh, one of their uh, imam, their leaders. It's called Al Imam Al Mahdi, the Just Leader of Humanity. Now, if you Google that, it will bring up a kind of a book of chapters that's been translated into English so that you can understand uh, what is being said here. Usually uh, it's in Persian. That's the biggest language today as far as Islam is concerned. Persian and Arabic, those are the two that most, you go on websites, they'll speak in Persian or Arabic. That is a very good source. You can really learn a lot. And I am going to take a clip from that today. The other book that is quite interesting 
is a, a Christian. Now, I didn't tell you much about Wally Shabbat. He was actually a, a, a terrorist himself under Arafat um, in the Fatah movement, and he became a Christian. He became a Christian, for those of you who do not know, uh, by debating, I guess there's certain theories, I'm not quite sure which one is true, debating his either his wife or his sister on Christianity. And they said, she said, the female said, if you could teach me, prove to me through the Bible that the Quran is the truth, then I will become a Muslim. Well, unfortunately for, well, fortunately, I should say for Walid Shabbat, he actually proved the other other way. He said he was on the wrong side when he began to read the scriptures, and he actually got on the right side and became a Christian. And now he is actually uh, teaching a lot on eschatology. Now, I don't believe everything he says, but uh, just like any teacher, you want to be a Berean and you want to study to show yourself approved. You want to know that the scriptures is actually saying that. And, you know, we have to give it a little bit of liberty with uh, the times in which we live because we're told to watch. We're not supposed to conclude, but we're supposed to watch. It says specifically in Revelation that in and Daniel that in these days that God will give wisdom to, to those who will endure this time, who will live during this time, and we will begin to understand. Now, you might be amazed, you might have a little bit of enlightenment today on what I'm going to talk about. Now, the other book that I was just about to mention is The Islamic Antichrist Joel by Joel Richardson. Uh, I haven't really got into this full-heartedly yet, but I'm going to take a couple pieces from that as well. Um, very, very interesting book so far. Uh, so I hopefully have some uh, good information for you, some good uh, resources, and I'm going to also throw in a surprising piece for you today uh, as I am going to show you how Satan is the same in every religion, that he has the same strategy, and that is to deceive and to honor himself. So let's get going on our uh class today or our study today. Now, in the Islamic Antichrist, speaking of which we are going to start by Joe Richardson, he says this, the term messianism is the Islamic context, in the Islamic context is frequently used to translate the important concept of an eschatological, to say that figure, the Mahdi who, as a foreordained leader, will rise to launch a great social transformation in order to restore and adjust all things under divine guidance. The Islamic Messiah thus embodies the aspiration of his followers in the restoration of the purity of the faith, with, which will bring true and uncorrupted guidance to all mankind, creating a just social order, and a world free from oppression in which the Islamic revelation will be the norm for nations. Now, the, in 
the book, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, called The Hidden Dangers of the Rainbow by Constance Cumbie. Those of you who have studied the New Age movement, uh, this is my surprising piece. I am going to share with you something that she says. Uh, she talks about uh, the open conspiracy, the New Age movement, the things that are happening in light of the last day of scenario. So if you've never heard of her, she might be a little strange, Constance Cumby, The Hidden Dangers of the Rainbow. She has some very fascinating things to talk about in regards to the New Age movement. Uh, She says in her book, she says, the character of the open conspiracy will now be plainly displayed. It will have become a world, a great world movement as widespread and evident as socialism or communism, it will largely have taken the place of these movements. It will be more. It will be a world religion. The large, loose, assimilatory mass of groups and societies will be definitely and obviously attempting to swallow up the entire population of the world and become the new human community. What she was uh, doing, saying in this is that she was quoting, actually, one of the New Age founders and saying, this is what's going to happen. And you know what they're speaking of? They are speaking of the coming Christ, the coming Messiah. I said that to you so that you can see a parallel between what Islam is saying about their coming Messiah and what New Age and those who are expecting the Messiah are saying. It is quite similar, and you must listen to this very carefully. I don't know if any of you remember back in uh, 1982, to be exact, April 25th, 1982, where there was a full-page ad declaring that Christ, the Christ is now here. Interesting. Back in 1980, I remember this. I actually remember seeing this in the newspaper, and I wish I would have kept it. Uh, then, but I have a copy of what it says, and I want to sh- remind you of what the New Age was saying back in 1982. The world has had enough of hunger, injustice, war. In answer to our call for help as world teacher for all humanity, the Christ is now here. Now, how will we recognize him? I look for a modern man concerned with modern problems, political, economic, and social. Since July 1977, the Christ has been emerging as a spokesman for a group or community in a well-known modern country. He is not a religious leader, but an educator in the broadest sense of the world, pointing the way out of our present crisis. We will recognize recognize him by his extraordinary spiritual potency, the universality of his viewpoint, and his love for all humanity. He comes not to judge, but to aid and inspire. Who is the Christ? Throughout history, humanity's evolution has been guided by a group of enlightened men, the masters of wisdom. They have remained largely in the remote desert and mountain places of earth working mainly through their disciples who live openly in the world. This message of the Christ's reappearance has been given primarily by such a disciple trained for his his tasks for over 20 years. 
Now that would be 20 years from 1977, 1957. As we continue, at the ascent of, of this spiritual hierarchy stands the world teacher, Lord Maitreya, and this is what they call the Christ. Known by Christians as the Christ, and as Christians await the second coming, so the Jews await the Messiah, the Buddhists, the fifth Buddha, the Muslims, the Imam Mahdi, and the Hindus await Krishna. These are all names for the indiv- for one individual. His presence in the world guarantees there will be no third world war. Now, what is he saying? My task will be to show you how to live peacefully as brothers. This is simpler than you imagine, my friends, for it requires only the acceptance of sharing. How can you be content with the modes within which you now live? When millions starve and die in squalor, when the rich parade their wealth before the poor, when each man is his neighbor's enemy, when no man trusts his brother. Allow me to show the way forward into a simpler life where no man lacks, where no two days are alike, where the joy of brotherhood manifests through all men. Take your brother's need as the measure of your action and solve the world's problems or the problems of the world. When will we see him? He has not yet declared his true status and his location is known to only a very few disciples. One of these has announced that soon the Christ will acknowledge his identity and within the next two months will speak to humanity through the worldwide television and radio broadcast. I don't know if any of you heard that message, but I sure did not. But this is what they say, just to cover up the fact that he didn't do it. Anyway, his message will be heard inwardly, telepathically, by all people in their own language. From that time, with his help, we will build a new world. Without sharing, there can be no justice. Without justice, there can be no peace. Without peace, there can be no future. That's the end of that particular article in the paper that declared that Christ is now here in 1982. Let me read to you now and share with you a Shiite Twelver Treatise on the Mahdi. Just after what I just read to you, the Shiite Twelver Treaty uh, belief in the Mahdi is actually what is uh, forwarding the eschatology of Islam today. The revolution in Iran, I did a few shows on that, speaks of the coming of the Mahdi. And it is the Shiite Twelver that has the, guess you can't even say the corner or the edge or the the focus on the Mahdi. So most of Islam, or all of Islam, even though it's Sunni and Shiite, will pretty much go to their eschatological um, ideology through the Twelver Treaties. These are the ones that are writing the coming of the Mahdi, interpreting the Hadith and the Quran, to find out when 
and where the Mahdi will appear so that they can be ready for him. This is this uh, particular piece is by Ayatollah Ibrahim Amini, and it's translated by Dr. Abdulaziz Shakedina. It's called the Al Al Imam Al Mahdi, the Just Leader of Humanity, and this is a piece from that uh, internet book that I told you about uh, that you can Google and you can actually get. The full thing, the full piece of their whole understanding of Shiite Twelver um, eschatology of Islam from this particular piece. The Messianic leader Mahdi in other religions. This is what they say. Now, on the back of this, the Christ is now here. I want you to hear this because the author is the same. The author which we know Satan schemes because God, Jesus said we will be wise and we will be made known to his schemes and what he does. Listen carefully. The Messianic leader Mahdi in other religions is the belief in the promised Mahdi confined to the followers of Islam. And it's asking this question, uh, is it confined or, is, or does it exist in other religions too? The one who is being interviewed here and the one who in this particular piece is actually having a discussion with, the, the scholar, the sheikh, I'm not sure what he is called, answers this question. He says, in fact, this belief is not limited to the Muslims alone. It almost, it's, in almost all religions and heavenly creeds, one can find a similar belief in the future Savior. The followers of these religions believe that there will come a time when the world will become corrupt and engulfed in crisis. Evil and injustice will become the rule of the day. Disbelief will cover the entire world. At that time, the universal Savior of the world will appear. With remarkable divine help, he will restore the purity of faith and defeat materialism with the help of divine worship. Not only are the tidings to be found in revealed books like the Zand and the Pazand and the Jemas name or the Zoroastrians, the Torah and other biblical books of the Jews and the gospel of the Christians, such information can also be seen more or less among the Brahmins and the Buddhists. How interesting. Hmm. The followers of all religions and traditions maintain such a belief and are awaiting the appearance of such a commanding figure, figure under the divine protection. Each tradition recognizes the, this figure with a different name and specific title. The Zoroastrians call him Zorashayant, meaning the savior of the world. The Jews know him as the Messiah whereas the Christians regard him as the Savior Messiah. However, each group believes that this divinely ordained Savior will be among them. The Zoroastrians believe he is Persian, and among the followers of Zoroaster, the Jews maintain that he will be among the children of Israel and the follower of Moses. The Christians think he will be one among them, Muslims believe that he will be among the Hashemites and among the direct descendants of the Prophet. In Islam, he has been fully introduced, whereas in other religions, this 
is not so. Did you hear what I just said? Or what he just said? In Islam, he, the Christ, the Messiah, has been fully introduced, whereas in other religions, this is not so. We continue. It is all the characteristics and signs mentioned for this universal Savior in other religions are applicable to the promised Mahdi, the son of Imam Hassan Askari. It is possible to regard him as Iranian in race because among his ancestors is the mother of the fourth Imam Zayan Abd, Al-Abidin. Those of you who know Arabic, please forgive me for my pronunciation of these words. As the daughter of Yazdgard, the Sassanian king, was a Persian princess. He can also be considered among the children of Israel since both the Hashemites and the Israelites are among the descendants of Abraham. The Hashemites are the descendants of Ishmael. The Israelites are the descendants of Isaac or Isaac. Hence, the Hashemites and the Israelites are of one family. He is also connected to Christians because, according to some traditions, the mother of the present imam was a Byzantine princess by the name of Narges, who is part of the miraculous story reported in some sources. It is not appropriate to combine the deliverer of the world, the Mahdi, to one particular nation. He will actually come to fight against all discriminatory claims of racial, creedal, and national distinction. Consequently, he should be regarded as the Mahdi of the whole of humanity. He is the savior and deliverer of the people who worship God. His victory is the victory of all the prophets and all the righteous ones on earth. He will be restoring the religion of Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and all the heavenly revelations, namely Islam. He will revive the pure religion of Moses and Jesus, which foretold the prophet of Muhammad, which had been foretold of the prophet Muhammad. Let us be clear that we have no intention of proving the existence of the promised Mahdi by referring to the ancient books, nor are we in need of doing so. Our intention is to demonstrate that the belief in the appearance of the unique Savior of the world is a common religious belief stemming from divine revelation of which all prophets gave glad tidings. All nations are awaiting this emergence, but they have made errors in identifying him. I'm going to take a pause here because, you know, you really have to think. Think about what I just read in the Christ is now here in the new age emergent emergence of the Christ is now here. And what was just now said by us by one of the main Shiite twelvers of Islam. There is a similarity here. And we have to make notice. But do not let that uh, intimidate you alone because Islam is far more threatening, I believe, than even the New Age. And I will show you. Now, is the Mahdi, Mahdi connected to the Antichrist? 
is he? Is maybe the Mahdi of Islamic Messiah? This has been a discussion now for for a little while. And I threw out a question on Facebook. I said, you know, I always thought, because, you know, when I was being taught eschatology in the 80s, I always thought that um, Israel was going to follow after an Islam, or not Islam, after the Antichrist. I thought that Israel was actually going to work, you know, think that, that the Messiah, the Antichrist, the Messiah is uh, the Antichrist, and they're going to be wrong. I don't know where I learned that from, but when I think about it, does it, the scriptures actually say that Israel is going to fall for the for the Antichrist? Well, thinking that through and actually throwing that question out to several people and, and a wide audience, no one came back with a scripture that says they do. Well, we do know that the Antichrist is going to make a covenant with Israel, and in the covenant, they're going to break it. They're going to break it, and the Antichrist is going to break it, and he's going to set himself up in the temple to be worshipped as God. But that never said that he they accepted him as their Messiah. So, can we play with this uh, question? Is the Mahdi connected to the Antichrist? Can we let's go there for a minute? Let's let's focus on that and see what you think. I'm going to be throwing out information for you to think about. I'm not trying to tell you how to think or what to believe, but I'm going to present to you something that actually surprised me when I began this study uh, on the eschatology. In Islam, the Mahdi, or the guided one, is the prophesied redeemer of Islam who will stay on earth seven to nine years, or 19 years. That's another viewpoint of that, depending on the interpretation. Before the coming of the day, Yama al-Kayama, literally the day of resurrection or the day of standing, Muslims believe that the Mahdi will uh, rid the world of error, in error meaning non-Muslim thinking, the, uh, the Mahdi will uh, rid the world of error, injustice, and tyranny alongside Jesus. Huh? He will... Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me say that again. The Mahdi will rid the world of error, injustice, and tyranny, and tyranny alongside of Jesus. The concept of the Mahdi is not explicitly mentioned in the Quran, but there are many hadiths, or those are the traditional sayings of Muhammad on the Mahdi. And you heard me right. Jesus is going to be alongside of the Mahdi. This is Islamic eschatology. Jesus is going to be there. The idea of the Mahdi has been described as important to Sufi Muslims and a powerful and central religious idea for Shia Muslims who believe that the Mahdi is the 12th Imam, the Muhammad al-Mahdi, who returned from his present state of, be, of hiding, which they called occultation. Interesting, occult is in that. It means to uh, emerge or, or appear, okay? It has uh, gained a stronghold 
on the imagination of many Muslims worldwide. Now, common Sunni, Sunni and Shia beliefs are these, and I'm going to number these. The Mahdi will be a descendant of the Prophet Muhammad, and these are common between Sunni and Shia beliefs, and they are from the line of Fatima. Who is Fatima? Fatima is the daughter of Muhammad. It was the daughter of Muhammad that the descendants of the Imams came through. Two, he will bear the name Muhammad. Three, he will rule for either seven, nine, or 19 years. Four, his coming will be accompanied by the raising of the black standard or the black war flag in Khorasan. Where is Khorasan? Modern-day Iran. We will, I will talk about the black standard a little bit later, or the black uh, war flag, just briefly a little bit later. But part two of our show, we're going to go into Islam, uh, Islam, the, crescent, the, the beast, the crescent, and the black stone. That's going to be an interesting topic. Probably some of you don't know um, uh, information about the crescent and the black stone. So we'll wait for that for a part two of this this episode. Five, his coming will be accompanied by the appearance of the Dajjal, and that is the the Antichrist in the East. Six, he will return with Jesus as a lesser prophet. Now these are all common between Sunni and Shia beliefs. They They both agree on these six points. Among Shia Muslims, the Mahdi's symbol has developed, developed in a powerful and central religious idea. Shia Muslims believe that the Mahdi is the 12th Imam, Muhammad Amaldi, the 12th and last Imam, who was born in 868 AD and was hidden by God at the age of five. He is still alive, but has been in occultation, hiding, awaiting the time that God has decreed for his return. According to the traditions, the Mahdi will be a young man of medium stature with a handsome face and black hair and beard. He will not come in in an odd year. He will announce himself in Mecca between the the corner of the Kaaba and the station of Abraham and will call on the people to pay allegiance to him. He will then go to Kufa, a city in Iraq. Now, Kufa, in history, was Arabic in Arabic um, is Kufa, is a city in Iraq about 170 kilometers south of Baghdad and 10 kilometers northeast of Najaf. It is located on the banks of the Euphrates River. The estimated population in 2003 was 110,000 people. So this is a city that's actually uh, thriving today. Um, I did a show on Babylon will rise again. Now, he is supposed to, the Antichrist is supposed to come to a city and have his dwelling, his governmental dwelling in a in a ancient city. It says Kufa here, but I have uh, suspicions that it could be Babylon as it rises from the earth again. You'll have to go back to that show that I did on Babylon, is it literal or figurative, and see what I have to say about that. 
um, Kufa is one of the five Iraqi cities that that are of great importance in Shiite Muslims, to Shiite Muslims. The, the city was a final capital of Ibn Abi Talib and was founded, and he is actually one of the um, imams, of the 12 imams, and was founded within the first, and was founded within the first um, hundred years of, this, of the 622 Hijrah. The city contains the great mosque of Kufa, one of the earliest mosques in Islam built in the 7th century. You can find a map that actually explains it. Now, Kufa is a former Mesopotamian city near the Euphrates River, um, south of Baghdad, and founded in 638. Kufa soon rivaled Bezra in size. The Arab government of Iraq resided there until 702. For a time... Kufa was the seat of the Abbasid Caliphate and Ali the Fourth Caliph, and he was murdered there. Celebrated as a major seat of the Arab learning, the city was also a continual source of political and religious unrest. It was repeatedly plundered by the Kamathians in the 10th century and lost its importance. Kufa now remains in an uninhabited ruin surrounded by desert. Okay, so... 2003, it said 110,000 people were there. So, well, uh, there's a little bit of discrepancy in some of the, the, the uh, information that I've gotten on the city. So, now, now, the return of the Mahdi, what is this about? Now, the hidden imam will return as the Mahdi with a, a company of his chosen ones. Also part of the return will be his enemies led by the one-eyed Dajjal and the Stefan, Safiani. The two forces will fight one final apocalyptic battle where the Mahdi and his forces will prevail over these forces of evil. After ruling earth for a number of years, Issa al-Masiyah, which is Jesus Christ, Imam Hussain, and other imams, prophets, and saints will return to earth. Now, what are the signs? What kind of signs are they predicting in the coming of the Mahdi? Among the most commonly reported signs of the advent advent of the Mahdi is in Shia Hadith are, and I'm going to do point by point. Just hang on a second. I got to pause for just one sec. Okay, sorry. I I had to had to do something real quick. Okay, number 1. Before his coming, before his coming will come the red death and the white death. The red death is the sword and the white death is plague. Number 2. Several figures will appear. The one-eyed Dajjal, the Sasyani, and the Yama, Yamani. Another figure, the pure soul, and I can't say it in Arabic, so I'm not even going to try will be assassinated. Kind of interesting. A pure soul is somebody who actually has dedicated himself to the cause of Islam. And um, I wasn't quite sure who this particular person was that was going to be assassinated. But I want to throw something out to you that is kind of, kind of a little interesting. 
for those who are looking for these signs may think that one of the signs has has happened. Uh, in the killing of Osama bin Laden, or the um, what they call the martyrdom, uh, President Obama changed the tone of what actually happened that day. He said that that Osama bin Laden was not martyred that day. He said that for his criminal criminal atrocities, bin Laden was assassinated, not martyred. Now, how interesting is that? Those who are looking for the assignments may say, Osama bin Laden was one of those pure ones because he was dedicated to the cause of Islam, to the cause of the Quran, to the cause of the Mahdi. Kind of interesting. Threw that out there just for you to think about. Uh, the sun, number three, the sun will rise from the west and a star will appear in the east, giving out as much light as the moon. Number four, the Arabs will throw off the reins and take possession of their land, throwing out the authority of the foreigners and also those who are not true Islamists, those who do not believe in the caliphate. And this is what has been happening in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East and the uprisings that we have seen there. Five, a caller, a caller will call out from heaven. Six, there will be a great conflict in the land of Syria until it is destroyed. Ha! Huh. So what are we seeing today? Seven, death and fear will afflict the people of Baghdad and Iraq. A fire will appear in the sky and a redness will cover over them. And I'm not going to go into each one of these signs into detail. Maybe we can do this at another time, but I will not on this uh, particular episode. I just wanted to give you an idea of what the signs were. From the book, The Islamic Antichrist, uh, they have a little section on the army of black flags, and this is what he says about the, the black flags. I, I thought it was quite interesting. The Mahdi's ascendancy to power is said to be preceded by an army from the east carrying black flags or banners of war. Sheikh Kabani states, Hadith indicates that the black flags coming from the area of Khorasan, remember now that's Iran, will signify the appearance of the Mahdi is nigh. Khorasan is in today's Iran, and some scholars have said that this hadith means when the black flags appear from Central Asia, i.e. in the direction of Khorasan, then the appearance of the Mahdi is imminent. Another tradition states that the messenger of Allah said the black banners will come from the east and their hearts will be as firm as iron. Whoever hears of them should join them and give allegiance, even if it means crawling across snow. Islam waves two flags. One is white and one is black. Written across both flags is the Arabic. in Arabic is, are the words, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his messenger. The white flag is called the Al-Liwah and, and serves as a sign of, of the leader of the Muslim army and is the flag of the Islamic State. The black flag is called the Arwayah and is used by the Muslim army. It is also called the flag of Jihad and it's carried into battle. 
One flag is governmental and the other is military. When Muhammad returned to his home city of Mecca after eight years of exile, he returned as a conqueror. With him marched 10,000 Muslim soldiers. They carried with them black flags. On the flags was one word written in Arabic, and that word was punishment. Okay, the conqueror, conquering um, of Israel. Islamic tradition pictures the Mahdi as joining the army of Muslim warriors carrying black flags. The Mahdi will lead this army to Israel and reconquer it for Islam. The Muslims will slaughter Jews until uh, very few remain, and Jerusalem will serve as the location of the Mahdi's rule over the earth. Rasulullah Muhammad said, armies carrying black flags will come from Khorasan. No power will be able to stop them, and they will finally reach El, that's Makadas in Jerusalem, where they will erect their flags, and that is actually at the mosque here in Jerusalem. It is important to to note here that the reference to Batu Makadas in Arabic, this means the Holy House. This is referring to the Dome of the Rock Mosque located on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. In a particular venomous manner, Egyptian authors Muhammad Ibn Izzat and Muhammad Arif comment on this tradition. They say this, the Mahdi will be victorious and eradicate those pigs and dogs and the idols of this time so that they will once more be a caliphate based on prophethood, as the Hadith states. Jerusalem will be the location of the rightly guided caliphate and the center of Islamic rule, which will be beheaded by Imam al-Mahdi. That will abolish the leadership of the Jews and put an end to the domination of, this, of Satan's of the Satans who spit evil into people and cause corruption in the earth, making them slaves of false idols and ruling the world by laws other than Sharia, Islamic law, of the Lord of the Worlds. A very famous tradition often quoted throughout the Islamic world speaks of the Mahdi's military campaign against Israel. The tradition is both sickening and very sobering. The Prophet said, the last hour would not come unless the Muslims will fight against the Jews and the Muslims would kill them until the Jews would hide themselves behind a stone or a tree and a stone or a tree would say, Muslim or the servant of Allah, there is a Jew behind me, come and kill him. That line is repeated over and over in Islamic uh, hadiths and sayings and books and comments. It's like they uh, have memor you know they memorize it, and it's like a, a chant that they say. It is said that the Mahdi will have control over the wind and the rain and the crops. Under the Mahdi's rule, the world will live in prosperity. Islamic tradition relates that Muhammad once said, quote, in the last days of my Ummah, universal Islamic community, the Mahdi will appear. Allah will give him power over the wind and the rain, and the earth will bring forth its foliage. 
He will give away wealth profusely. Flocks will be in abundance, and the Ummah will be large and honored. In those years, my community will enjoy a time of happiness such as they have never experienced before. Heaven will send rain upon them in torrents. The earth will not withhold any of its plants, and wealth will be available to all. A man will stand and say, give me Mahdi, and he will say, take. As a result of the numerous benefits that the Mahdi brings, it is said that the inhabitants of the earth will deeply love him. It says this, Allah will so love of him in the hearts of all people. Al-Mahdi appears, everyone only talks about him, drinks the love of him, and never talks about anything other than him. While there is more than one tradition regarding the nature and time of the Mahdi's ascendancy to power, one particular hadith places this event at the time of the final peace agreement between the Arabs and the Romans. Romans refers to Christians or more generally to the West. Although this peace agreement is made with the Romans, it is presumably meditated mediated, sorry, through the through a Jew from the priestly lineage lineage of Aaron. The peace agreement will be made for a period of seven years. This is what it says. Rahush Rasulullah Muhammad said and this is quoting the Quran. There will be four peace agreements between you and the Romans, Christians. The fourth agreement will be mediated through a person who will be from the progeny of Hadrat Harun, honorably Aaron, Moses' brother, and will be upheld for seven years. It appears that the the period of this seven-year peace agreement will likewise be the period of the Mahdi's reign. While a few traditions specify that the Mahdi will reign on earth for such, for as much as like eight or possibly nine, and sometimes nineteen, whatever, whatever that they say, which you know I haven't seen that much of the nineteen. Most traditions state that his reign will will last for seven years. Again, quote, the prophet said. He will divide the property and will govern the people by the sunnah of the prophet and establish Islam on earth. He will remain seven years, then die, and the Muslims will pray over him. Where does that sound familiar in the scriptures? Again, another saying, the prophet said the Mahdi will fill the earth with equity and justice as it was filled with equity and justice as it was filled with oppression and tyranny and he will rule for seven years. Now the Mahdi is believed to ride on a white horse. Listen to this. This is amazing. This is the prophecies of Islam. It's hard to imagine, but this is just, just if you know Revelation, if you know the books of Scripture, if you know what the truth of the Bible says, when you hear this, you are going to be amazed. 
that it is so parallel to what it says in the opposite way. Okay. Like I said, the Mahdi is believed to, to ride on a white horse. Whether or not this is symbolic or literal, it's hard to say. Now, what is quite interesting that this tradition comes from the Muslim interpretation of the Christian scriptures. Despite the fact that Muslims view the Bible as changed and corrupted by Jews and Christians, they claim to believe that some portions of the original inspired books remain within the the corrupted Bible. A tradition within Islamic scholarship seeks to extract those portions of the Bible that Muslims feel may be untainted by the corrupting influence of Jews and Christians. Muslims call these Judeo-Christian traditions Israeliyat, one such transmitter of hadith as well as Israeliyat. Tayyab al-Bahu's view that this description of the rider on the white horse as found in the book of Revelation, is indeed the Mahdi. And it's supported by two well-known Egyptian authors, Muhammad Ibn Izzat and Muhammad Arif. In their book, Al-Mahdi and the End of Time, they quote Kabbal al-Akbar as saying, I find the Mahdi recorded in the books of the prophets. For instance, the book of Revelation says, I saw, and behold, a white horse. He that sat on him went forth conquering to conquer. Wait a minute. Is Jesus coming back on a white horse? Yes. But in Revelation 6, 1 and 2, it says this. And I'm going to read number 1 because it's really number 2, but I want you to hear who is speaking. I watched as the lambs. Well, not who's speaking, who's doing. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Now, who is opening the first of the seven seals? The Lamb, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come. I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. That is the scripture that they quote as their coming Mahdi. I am pausing because it's hard to believe. Let's continue. Izat and Arif then go on to say, it is clear that the man that the man is the Mahdi who will ride the white horse and judge by the Quran with justice and with whom will be men with marks of prostration on their foreheads, marks on their foreheads from bowing in prayer with their head to the ground five times daily. And they are referring to he that sat on him went forth conquering to conquer. And this white horse Rider on the we held held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as to conquer, bent on conquest. A 
Iran's President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad has suggested that Jesus would return to the world along with the emergence of the descendant of Islam's holy prophet, Imam Mahdi. It is well known that Ahmadinejad sees himself as the chosen one to bring forth the 12th Imam. I've focused on this in the, the revolution of Iran, the shows that I've done on that, and he believes that he is to pave the path for the glorious reappearance of the Imam Mahdi. Now, he is in Khorasan. Amazing. Iran. And he is actually doing this today. He is actually see, uh, seeing that he is actually prophesied to bring forth the coming of the Mahdi. The suggestion that Jesus and the 12th Imam would return to earth at the same time is something new and quite disturbing. Because, you know, before, in, like I said, as Christians, we didn't focus on Islam and their eschatology. We focused on how to evangelize Muslims. We focused on what they understood in the Quran, what they understood, what they believed compared to Christianity. But we did not know that they had this viewpoint in eschatology because it wasn't well known. So, Ahmadinejad sees Jesus and the Mahdi working together to wipe away every tinge of oppression, pain, and agony from the face of the world. The Mahdi will reign on earth for seven years before bringing about a final judgment and the end of the world. Sounds familiar? Now, in a speech reported by WND and Gannett, Ahmadinejad offered New Year's greetings to Christians and asked WWJD, Huh, what is that? What would Jesus do? Okay, Ahmadinejad, it's kind of cool. He's saying, what, do I, what would Jesus do? And he went on. He said, what would Jesus do if he were president of the world today? What would he do before? Now, listen, this is Ahmadinejad speaking. What would, be, what would he do before some of the oppressive powers of the world who are in fact residing in Christian countries? Which powers would he revive and which of them would he destroy? Asked Iranian later. Interesting. Let me take a drink here. The Islamic Republic of Iran broadcasting website said in a program called The World Toward Illumination that the Mahdi will form an army to defeat the enemies of Islam in a series of apocalyptic battles in which the Mahdi will overcome his arch and villain in Jerusalem. The Mahdi's far-sightedness and firmness in the face of mischievous elements will strike awe. After his uprising from Mecca, all of Arabia will be will be submitted to him and then other parts of the world as he marches upon Iraq and establishes his seat in the global government in the city of Kufa. Then the imam will send 10,000 of his forces to the east and west to uproot the oppressors. At this time, God will facilitate things. Well, they say Allah will facilitate things for him, and lands will come under his control one after another. After his appearance, the imam would remain in Mecca for some time and then go to Medina, a descendant of the prophet, or prophet's arch enemy. Absoyan 
will seize Syria and attack Iraq, and the Hajjaz will, with the ferocity of a beast. Finally, Imam Mahdi sends troops who will kill the Sifuyana and Bet al-Makadas in Jerusalem, the Islamic holy city in Palestine that is currently under occupation of the Zionists. The Iranians, series also claims that the Mahdi will reappear on earth with Jesus. We read in the book of Tezkarat al-Olaya, the Mahdi will come with Jesus, son of Mary, accompanying him. Imam Mahdi will be the leader, while Prophet Jesus will act as his lieutenant, lieutenant in the struggle against oppression and establishment of justice in the world. Jesus had himself given the tidings of the coming of God's last messenger and will see Muhammad's ideal materialize in the time of the Mahdi. So what are the plans? What are the imam's plans for you? Now, when the imam emerges, he will enlighten people by discussing religion. And when people become totally aware of the nature of religion, their conscience would not permit them to reject what is right. Those who obstinately refuse to accept religion, well, specifically Islamic ideology, will have the sword of the imam decisively come down on their neck behead, be beheaded. Interesting. And hang on a second, as I want to bring up for you Revelation 13, and I want to read that to you real quick-like. Those of you who are prophecy buffs will know exactly what this is. This is the number one, and I will I will read through this so you can kind of get an idea before we discuss the comparison between the Antichrist and the Islamic Mahdi, and I'm going to put them side by side for you to see. In the Sabbath coming out of the sea, he had ten horns and seven heads and with ten crowns on his horns and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard but had feet. <clears throat> like those of the bear, and a mouth like a lion, like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and throne in great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name in his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb. Listen to this carefully. 
He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and the inhabitants worship the first beast whose whose fatal wound, wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs he was given power to do on the behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to breathe to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand and on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which was the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. His number is 666. Now, you may want to go back over this after we uh, look at what we're going to look at in regards to this. Now, what does the Bible say about the Antichrist? And what does Islam and the Quran say about the Mahdi Tawas Imam? We're going to go back and forth with this. The Antichrist will be an unparalleled leader in the ability to speak and lead. The Imam al-Mahdi will be an unparalleled leader in the ability to speak and lead. The Bible says the false prophet will support the Antichrist in deceiving the world into accepting and following the Antichrist. The Quran says about the Twelfth Imam, a Muslim Jesus will return and support the Imam al-Mahdi in getting the world to accept the Imam al-Mahdi and follow him. This is this is in the Quran and the Hadith. You've got to listen to this very carefully. And if any of you have uh, been working with people who are in the occult or Satanism, who actually um, have been put into that situation or put themselves in that situation, what they do in the occult, and, you know, I work with a lot of abused and uh, people, women especially, what they do is they, they actually don't forsake Scripture. They take the Bible and they twist it, and they make it sound totally opposite totally warped in his understanding. So the false prophet coming back as Jesus and declaring him as Jesus is a warping of, you know, and and having Jesus speak on behalf of the uh, Mahdi and also requiring those who do not follow him to be killed, Jesus is going to require this is a warped sense of who Jesus is. So let's continue. What the Bible says about the Antichrist. The Antichrist and the false prophet will have a powerful army that will do great damage to the earth in order to subdue it and follow them. The Quran says this, the Imam al-Mahdi and the Muslim Jesus will have a powerful army that will do great damage to the earth in order to subdue it and cause everyone to follow them. The Bible says about the Antichrist, the false prophet is described as a, dra- as a dragon in lamb's clothing. We just read that in Revelation 13. The Quran says about the Mahdi, says the Muslim Jesus will come bearing the name that the world knows as the Lamb of God and teach Islam. 
the Bible says about the Antichrist. The Antichrist and the false prophet establish a new world order. The Islam in the, the what Islam says in the Quran says about the Prophet Imam, the Imam al-Mahdi and the Muslim Jesus establish a new world order. The Antichrist is, in the Bible is said to have changed the times. In the Quran, the Imam al-Mahdi almost certainly will adopt use of the Islamic calendar for use worldwide, hence changing the times. It is a 12-month calendar of 30 days each with Muslim names. The Antichrist in the Bible is said, the Antichrist and the false prophet will adopt a universal and mandatory religion. In the Quran, the Imam al-Mahdi and the Muslim Jesus will institute Islam as the only acceptable religion. The Bible says about the Antichrist and the false prophet, they will execute by beheading anyone who does not accept their religion. In the Quran and the Hadith, the Imam al-Mahdi and the Muslim Jesus will execute by beheading anyone who does not accept Islam. Beheading has been the official method of execution for Islam since the days of Muhammad and still is to this very day. The Bible says about the Antichrist, he will have a specific agenda to kill as many Jews as possible. In the Quran and the Hadith, the, the Imam al-Mahdi and the Muslim Jesus will have an order from God to root out and kill Jews. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus will do that. In the Quran. In the Bible, the Antichrist and the false prophet will attack and conquer Jerusalem. Interestingly, interestingly enough, all of the nations the Bible mentions is coming to attack Israel and Jerusalem in Ezekiel are currently Muslim nations. The Quran says that the Imam al-Mahdi and the Muslim Jesus will attack and conquer Jerusalem in the name of Islam. Don't disbelieve me, check it out. In the the Bible, the Antichrist will set himself up as in up in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, his seat of authority. The Quran, the Imam al Mahdi, will establish the Islamic Caliphate from Jerusalem. The Caliphate is a religious and political leader of all Islam and Muslims. With the whole world having to accept Islam, he will in effect be a world ruler from Jerusalem. The Bible says that the Antichrist will perform many miracles in order to deceive many into following him. In the Quran and the Hadith, the Imam al-Mahdi will also be able to perform many miracles. In the Bible, the Antichrist will make a peace treaty with Israel for seven years. In the Quran, the Imam al-Mahdi will make a peace treaty with Israel for seven years. In the Bible, Jesus at his second coming, will defend Jerusalem and Israel from an attack by a coalition of nations led by the Antichrist and the false prophet. In the Quran and the Hadith, warns that the Dajjal, the Muslim Antichrist, will appear and fool Jews into thinking he is Jesus the Messiah and fight for them. 
The Quran warns Muslims to ignore everything he says and flee from him. Huh. Just wait till you know who Dajil, Dajil really is in the Quran. Well, let's see. Let's talk about the number 666. Uh, recall that the New Testament is written in Greek. So when we examine the number 666, we have to look at the Greek. Now, what does the Greek look like? Now, in as you're listening to this program, I put up some pictures, and I did put up a picture, two pictures, of uh, some Arabic letters. This is what we're focusing on. Okay, and so when I'm speaking here, I want you to go to the the, the uh, picture or want you to focus on the picture that has a lot of boxes with Arabic writing in it. If the one looks at, if you look at the XSS, it looks like an XSS, you know, kind of a squiggly and then an S, which is the Greek for 666, and then turn it sideways, one sees what is translated as Bishmila or in the name of Allah, is what it means in Arabic. Now, when you look right at the script, you know, that is turned, um, you know, in this picture, there's one picture that's kind of gold. If you look at, at the gold one, and it's turned, and it looks like kind of a UUU, Muslims will recognize this right away, because it is also the Ara- in also Arabic when that letters are turned. Note that the accent or the cross swords is also a sign for Islam. So you have the X, that squiggly UUU that's standing up, and then an S, <clears throat> and that in the Greek is 666. But there is a debate in whether or not John actually saw these letterings, which were actually Arabic, the number 666, because the cross and the cross, the X's, is a symbol of Islam. You'll see that on a lot of their uh, flags and on a lot of their symbols, and that is that means Islam, two swords. And the squiggly UUU is is actually uh, means in the name of Allah. The S with the uh, little accent is actually a symbol in Arabic that says the Quran. Interesting. It is interesting to know that many Muslims believe the number 666 to be a holy number. Wait a minute. Is that true? They're not the only ones, but they do believe that. They also believe that the number 19 is holy as well. And when the terrorists uh, went into the buildings of 9-11, there was 19 of them, which is a holy number for Islam. <clears throat> They call they are called by the people of Islam the Magnificent Nineteen, the ones that went into the uh, towers. The number six 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 is believed to be to represent the Quran and the so-called Great Prophet Muhammad. The number six 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 could very easily be identified by our Lord as the number of a man, since it is a man-made doctrine in a man-made book referring to its author Muhammad. Those in Islam that believe in the number 666 and its purity believe that Satan used Christians to pervert the Bible. They believe that the book of Revelation was inspired by Satan and that he used the number 666 as a bad number in order to prevent Christian people from accepting the Quran and the teachings of Muhammad because of fear. I hope you heard that. You might have to replay that. 
I'll just say it again. Those in Islam that believe in the number 666 and its purity believe that Satan used Christians to pervert the Bible. They believe that the book of Revelation is inspired by Satan and that he used the number 666 as a bad number in order to prevent Christian people from accepting the Quran. That's that's what it means. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in another really curious and interesting thing here. Taking again out of the hidden dangers of the rainbow, um, there's a man that talks about uh, that constant because Cumby talks about in the New Age movement. Um, he his name is Robert Ogilvie Crombie, and Rock for short. He tells a uh, she quotes him. He meets this being. Um, it was part animal and part human, and uh, in in being spoke to him, to this rock character. He is part of the Finn Horn Associate, and he's associated with the New Age occult. Um, and this is what he said about this being that he encountered. Quote, I did not know then that for his purpose, he, the creature, had had to find someone who showed no fear of him. He is a great being, the god of the whole elemental kingdom as well as the animal, vegetable, and mineral kingdoms. People may feel uneasy in his presence because of the awe he inspires, but there ought not <clears throat> ought to be no fear. Quoting this creature, he says, all human beings are afraid of me. And he, he had not said this as a threat, but with sadness. Did not the early Christian church make me a model for the devil? That is why he is feared, because of the image projected onto him. This image must be lifted off him so that his nature may be revealed. That is why he had to find someone who did not fear him. This being that he's talking about is Satan himself. Satan appears as an angel of light. And he went to this guy and said, he said, all human beings are afraid of me. Because Lucifer, and they believe in Lucifer, in the Finn Horn um, um, Company. This is in England. Anyway, um, so Satan is trying to deceive people to think he is something he is not, which is not unusual for him to do, but he does do that. Now, again, let me point out what what I just said about the number 666. Those in Islam that believe in the number 666 and its purity believe that Satan used Christians to pervert the Bible. And saying that not did not early Christians church make me a model for the devil? That is why he is, he is feared because of the image projected on him. Islam believes that the book of Revelation was inspired by Satan and that he used the number 666 as a bad number in order to prevent Christian people from accepting the Quran and the teachings of Muhammad because of fear. Huh. Same kind of author, I'd say. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now, it is easy to see the Muslims wearing this number between their eyes, 666, on their foreheads to proclaim their faith in Allah. Interesting enough. The mark could also be symbolic instead of literal to represent the mind of Islam. All it is is going back to take is for the Antichrist 
all it's going to take for the Antichrist to make it mandatory tory, order for everyone in Islam to wear it is to prove that they are true true Muslims. So to be a true Muslim, you really wear this number or this 666, literally. Anyone who refuses to take the number accept it, or to accept Islam will be considered not to be a true believer in Allah and Muhammad as they conquer other people, they will enforce this mark to guarantee support from those that they allow to live. Now, here's an excerpt from the Muslim website about 666, and this is a, is actually from an Islamic website. This is what they say, quote, At the very beginning of the last millennium in human history, by God's will, I did count the letter Q, Q-A-F, which is the first letter of the Quran. After research, I witnessed the number 666, 1117, that's out of the Hadith, I believe, and witnessed the awesome message, Allah, the Halal, 66-165, God, there is no other God beside God. Only one letter can easily destroy the, believer, the believers, hypocrites and idol worshippers, and increase their sadness. Only one letter can easily guide the sincere and intelligent one in the right path by God's will. The number 666 is highly publicized all over the world, and it is associated with evil and danger. However, it is not what it seems. It was a satanic trick. The trick was to prevent the people approaching the, the 666. Satan knew that the 666 is the book of God, and the people should be kept away from it. According to his plan, he placed a bad image to the number 666. He did the same plan to the number 19, which is a mathematical code for the book of God. He associated his religion, Baha'ism, with the number 19 in order to mislead the people from the truth. Satan's mission is to make tricks and hypnotize the people in order to capture as many souls as he can until the end of the world. With his agents, he changed and added verses to the Torah, invented new books as Talmud, Mishnah, and Gemara beside Torah, made his own religion, Jerusalem-centered Judaism. With his agents, he changed and added verses to the gospel, destroyed the source of the original gospel. Today's gospel is Greek, while the language of Jews is Hebrew. The name of Jesus Issa was changed into the Christ agent Paul, into Christ, <clears throat> Agent Paul worked for Christianity. Therefore, he made the church his temple and made his own religion, Vatican-centered Christianity. They don't like Paul. With agents, he asked, most people don't like Paul. I, you know, a lot, not most people, but most co- religions don't like Paul because <laughs> Paul really says what the Hebrew Torah, the books revealed about Jesus. Amazing. With his agents, he added verses to the Quran after Muhammad's death. He added verses 128 and 129 to Surah 9. He invented new books, Hadith and Sunnah, beside the Quran. And they're thinking that those are satanic as well, but that is not satanic to uh, the eschatological um, Shiites and Sunnis. He tried to do the same plan to Islam. He used his, his agent, Maran Ibn al-Makan, died 65 AH, 684 AD, to destroy the original written original written by Muhammad. He did, and that's one of their uh, false prophets that they had that said that he was the imam, but he died. 
because <clears throat> the mom is not supposed to die. He did in the mathematical code, the proofs of the Quran, the number of 19. He made his own religion, Mecca-centered, so-called Islam. God knows what Satan plans, and he plans the best. All plans are in the hand of God. God is sending his messengers to purify his religion. Islam in his book, the Quran, God's religion, Islam shall dominate all other religions. God and his messengers shall win. And then they go on to say that the Internet uh, is kind of representative of 666 and actually is a blessing so that they can pass the the scriptures on, uh, the Quran on, I should say. They said the World Wide Web web is a gift to God and humanity, and they can talk, watch, read, share, listen to anything 666. The Quran is a gift from God to humanity. It guides to the right path, which leads to heaven. The proof shall be the evidence that the Quran is the 666 that Satan, his religions, his temples, especially the church, are afraid of. The Quran is the 666, and God preserves preserves the 666 within the number 19. And they calculate that. <clears throat> there is a detailed um, understanding of this um, that you can go into further and just look up 666 in the Quran and it will tell you uh, more information about it. Um, and we won't go into more of that here. They end by saying, we read in the Quran that God created the heavens and the earth and all in between Six days. The creation of biological life on this earth is based on carbon. Carbon is six electrons. Carbon is the sixth element of the periodic table. <clears throat> then they calculate. Then the number is one, two, and three equals six. One times two times three equals six. Kind of what the Bible code believers, um, which I am not, um, calculate to, to figure out the number six, six, six. But the point is that they, they strongly believe that number 666 represents the Quran and the true message. <clears throat> now, who is the Dajjal? I'm going to focus a little bit of time on him. And uh, you can kind of get an idea of who he is. His full title is al Mashia. The Messiah, Ad Dajjal, the liar, deceiver. So he is the Messiah, that is the liar, and the deceiver. Usually just referred to as the Dajjal, he is a bizarre character whose description and stories seem far more fantastic than either the Mahdi or the Muslim Jesus. There are numerous hadiths that contain descriptions of the Dajjal. Now, I do not know them all, and I do not understand all of that, what describes the Dajjal. But I'm going to present to you what is revealed in the Hadith, uh, what is said, and you can take that and go further in study about Dajjal. Excuse me. The Dajjal is described as a deceiver who will have miraculous powers and who will temporarily hold power over the whole earth. This is what the Hebius says. The prophet was warning us that in the last days there would be someone who would deceive all of humanity. The Dajjal will possess power over the world. Thus Muslims must be careful not to have 
the love of the world in their hearts so they won't leave their religion and follow him. He will be able to heal the sick by wiping his hand on them, like Jesus did. But with this deceit, Dajjal will lead people down the path to hell. Thus, the Dajjal is the false messiah, or the antichrist, Messiah Adajjal. He will pretend to be the messiah and deceive people by showing them amazing powers. Excuse me. Possibly the most frequent quoted reference to the Dijal is that he is blind in one eye. Now, I watched a show or a clip on their interpretation of Dijal. Now, what I'll do is I'll try to find that clip so you can see how they interpret the one eye because they really uh, spiritualized it and I did not... uh, capture all of it to be able to communicate it to you. So what I'll do is I'll find that and I will post this on False Teachings. I will also post it on my website called As The Day Approaches. Very easy. That is asthedayapproaches.com where I will have all my shows. Um, I'm still putting Islamic shows, the shows I've done on this site. It is still a working under construction so if you can be patient with that. But I'll see if I can get this video up and running on that um, site for you. I will also put it on my Facebook site, uh, personal site, Brenda Johnson, if you want to uh, befriend me on Facebook. I have a false teachings identifying them group on Facebook, and I will put it on that. And there are other several groups uh, that I'm a part of that I will try to put this video up on those too in case you have contact with them. So look for this video that will actually give you some insight about what they mean by, and they interpret, the blind in one eye. Now the Hadiths, however, are contradictory regarding which eye is blind, and here is what the Hadith says about this. So I'm just going to give you some facts here, and then you can go from there. Allah's messenger made a mention of Dajjal in the presence of the people and said, Allah is not one-eyed, and behold, the Dajjal is blind of the right eye, and his eye would be like a floating grape. <clears throat> I know, it's kind of weird, but hang in there. Uh, we're going somewhere with this. This is probably the weirdest part of the description of the Dajjal. And actually, there is also videos out, I don't know if it's... Uh, just hearsay or makeup or make-believe, but they believe that the one-eyed Dijal has been born in Israel and is a Jew. Yay! That's what they think. Um, I'll post some of those pictures, too, just so you can see what they're talking about, what's buzzing around their um, gossip channels, I guess. And it may just be all pretend, but it's interesting to see what they're actually believing now, the other hadith says, Allah's messenger said, Dajjal is blind on the left eye with thin, thin, uh, thin hair. Uh, you know, thinning hair, there's hair on it. Okay, yes, I know. But the Bible has some descriptive things like that too, calling the beast coming out of, you know, that looks like locusts. And the description of them is kind of odd. <clears throat> so this is kind of their odd description of the Dajjal. Uh, we'll get through that, and then you'll get to the better parts where you'll see that actually the Dajjal is Jesus, our Messiah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is. You'll see. Hang in there. Okay. 
and there would be a garden and a fire with him, and his fire would be guarded, and his garden would be fire. So this is one of the hobbyist quotes. Okay, the Dajjal is sometimes said to have had the world infidel or kafir written between his eyes, possibly on his forehead, but this word will be perceptible only to true Muslims and no one else. The Hadith says, Allah's Messenger said, Dajjal is blind of one eye, and there is written between his eyes the word kafir, unbelieving infidel. He then spelled the word K-F-R, which every Muslim would be able to read. Very important is that the word kafir will be readable only to the believer, literate or illiterate, non-believer, let him be educated from Oxford or Harvard, and they will not be able to read it. So you have to be a believer to be able to read an identified kafir, the false one. Sheikh Abani describes some of the Dajjal's miraculous powers. The Dajjal will have powers of the devil. He will terrorize the Muslims into following him, converting them into unbelief. He will conceal the truth and bring forth falsehood. The prophet said that the Dajjal will have the power to show the image of one's dead ancestors on his hand like a television screen. The relative will say, oh, my son, this man is correct. I am in paradise because I was good and believed in him. In reality, that relative is in hell. If the relative says, believe in this man, I am in hell because I didn't believe, one must say to the Dajjal, no, he is in paradise. This is false. So it's telling him not to believe the Dijal, no matter what is told to him, whether somebody comes from the dead. Like it says in one of the, the Gospels, somebody came to the dead and told you not to, you know, you know, to believe in the Dijal, you shouldn't listen to him. The prophet said that the Dijal will say to the Bedouin Arab, what will you think if I bring your father and your mother back to life for you? Will you bear witness that I am your Lord? The Bedouin would say, yes. So two devils will assume the appearance of his father and his mother and say, oh, my son, follow him, for he is your Lord. Talking about the Dijal. The Dijal will claim to be Jesus Christ and will claim to be divine. Here we go. Now listen carefully. This tradition shows that the Dijal's Deceptive signs will lead people to believe that the Dajjal is actually their Lord. Muslim scholars uh, universally have concluded that the Dajjal will claim to be divine. According to the very well-known Muslim scholar Abu Amna Bilal Philip, the Dajjal will claim to be God. Now, Jesus claimed to be God. Okay, and we know that Jesus is God. While there are no specific traditions that state such directly, as a result of the fact that the Dajjal is, according to Islamic tradition, the false Jewish Messiah who claims to be God, most Muslims have deduced that the Dajjal will thus claim to be Jesus Christ by name. Muslim scholar Muhammad Abin Zubar Ali says of the Dajjal, he will travel at great speeds and his means of conveyance will be a giant mule. He will travel the entire world. 
as strange as this seems, it also bears a faint resemblance to Jesus, the Messiah, who also rode, rode a donkey as he entered Jerusalem during the final week of his ministry. <clears throat> it is said that there are three cities that the Bajal may not enter, Mecca, Medina, and Damascus. Muslims are encouraged to seek refuge from the Dajjal in one of these three cities. And this is what it says. The prophet said, Dajjal will come to Medina and find the angels guarding it. So Allah willing, <clears throat> so Allah willing neither Dajjal nor plague will be able to come near it. The coming of the Antichrist, Dajjal, must occur in the last days. This dreadful event is approaching, and in that time only three cities will be safe, Mecca, Medina, and Sham, Damascus. If anyone wants safety in that time, he will have to run to one of these three cities. Now, apart from these three cities, it is said that the Dajjal will enter every single city, town, and village in the world to test and possibly deceive every human alive. Muslims believe that if they memorize particular portions of the Quran, that they will be protected from the Dajjal. It is something like a verbal amulet that protects one from the powers of evil. It says this, if the Dajjal comes upon someone who has memorized the first ten verses of Surat al-Kaf, chapter of the cow, he cannot harm him. And whoever memorizes the last verses of Surat al-Kaf, will have light on the day of judgment. Now, this Dajjal will be Jewish and will be fooled by Jews and women, or followed, sorry, by Jews and women. <clears throat> Based on various Islamic traditions, Muslims believe that the Dajjal will be Jewish. The title of a book by Muslim author Matlub Ahmed Qasmi, Emergence of the Dajjal, Dajjal the Jewish King, that's the name of the book, could make this point more clearly. Imam Sheikh Abrahim Mahdi of the Palestinian Authority articulated the Islamic perspective regarding their expectation of the Jewish people quite well in one of his sermons. He said this, the Jews await the false Jesus, uh, Jewish Messiah, while we await, with Allah's help, the Mahdi and Jesus, peace upon him, Jesus' pure hands will murder the false Jewish Messiah. Where? In the city of Lod in Palestine. Palestine will be, as it was in the past, a graveyard for the invaders. Now, Christian Arab scholar Samuel Sahid, in his scholarly study of Islamic eschatology, says of the Dajjal that he will be the embodiment of the Jewish hope and longing the bulk of his army is recruited from the Jews. The followers of the Dajjal will primarily consist of Jews and women. It is mentioned that women are very ignorant and easily misled. Vandalikad states, meanwhile, women will also fall to the deviant line of the Antichrist because of their unawareness and ignorance of Islam. The Muslim Jesus will kill the Dajjal and his followers. Allah's messenger said, The time of prayer shall come, and then Jesus, son of Mary, would descend and would lead them in prayer. When the enemy of Allah, Dajjal, would see him, Allah would kill him. 
by Jesus' hand and would show them their blood on his lance, the lance of Jesus Christ. If we boil down the Muslim belief regarding the Dajjal to the simplest and most important terms, we basically have a man who will claim to be divine and will uh, claim to be Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah. He will defend Israel against the Mahdi and the Muslim Jesus, and he will deceive many people into leaving Islam. The real Jesus now, however, will uh, indeed come as a divine defender of Israel and her people, as well as Israel's spiritual children, the Christians. If the Islamic prophecies are indeed intertwined with the unfolding of biblical prophecy, then we can see that part of Satan's strategy is that when the real Jesus returns, there will already be a worldwide religious leader claiming to be Jesus, namely the false prophet. If this were the case, then Muslims worldwide would accuse the real Jesus of being Dajjal, the Muslim Antichrist, great deceiver. Muslims would be particularly convinced that this of this because of the surviving Jews of the earth will acknowledge Jesus as their Messiah. At least 600 years before Islam ever existed, the, the Jewish prophets and apostles described the event of Jesus returning to Israel, defeating its enemies, and finally gaining full acceptance among the Jewish people. So these are some scriptures. Zechariah 12:10. On that day, I, the Lord, will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. And it will pour out on the house of David, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, a spirit of grace and supplication. They will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for their only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Zechariah 14, 1, 3, and 4. The day of the Lord is coming. The Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Romans 11:26. And so all of Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. Revelation 7, 3, 4, 14, 1, and 3. Put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God, servant, servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb, Jesus the Messiah, standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads, and they sang a new song. So we see. Uh, that when Jesus returns to destroy the nations that attack Jerusalem, his feet will literally stand on the mountain of Olives. Now, Jesus will be physically present in Israel. At this time, it is said that those Jews living in Israel will see him and realize that he is the one they have pierced and that they will mourn for him. Thus, the acknowledgement of Jesus as the genuine Jewish Messiah and divine Savior will fill their hearts, and so all of Israel will be saved. Based on the Islamic traditions, Muslims accept Jews, uh, expect Jews to acknowledge the Dijon as the divine Jewish Messiah. Thus, in the Islamic mind, the Jesus of biblical tradition will fulfill the three most primarily 
primary Islamic expectations of the Dajjal. Now, clearly, these traditions will be used by Satan not only to preempt the Muslims of the earth from receiving the real Jesus when he comes, but to inspire them to attack him. The plot never seems to stop thickening. Consider the following statement by the well-known Muslim apologist Osama Abdullah. Now, the question posited to him was, what do Muslims believe about the end of the world and Jesus' part in it? His answer is astonishing as it relates to this discussion. And here is what he said. Briefly, Christians believe that Jesus will come down to earth and fight for the state of Israel. What seems to be quite ironic to me is that those Jews that Jesus is supposedly going to fight for don't even believe in Jesus as God himself, nor as the messenger of God. Jesus never liked the Jews. (laughs) Right. Now, without being biased, we Muslims have a story that makes a lot more sense and is empty and his empty contradictions. We believe that Jesus will come down to earth toward the end of the world time to fight the army of Satan, which will be mostly from the bad Jews or Zionist Jews, as we call them today, and the deceived from the polytheist Christians or the Trinitarian Christians and the pagan polytheists such as Hindus, Buddhists, etc. Some Jews and many Christians will be among the good and blessed who will fight with Jesus' side. The army of Satan will be led by a person who will claim to be Jesus Christ himself. The Muslims will call him Dajjal, or the deceiver. The real Jesus' army will fight the Dajjal's army and defeat him. The empire of Israel will fall. The religion of Islam will prevail. Now this is quite amazing. Now we see as a direct result of the Islamic apocalypse Apocalyptic, can't even talk, getting kind of tired in speaking today. Um, Muslims expect two Jesuses to come, the real one and the false one. Now, by uh, Mr. Abdul's admission, the Muslim Jesus will be identifiable by the fact that he does not like Jews. Indeed, he is expected to attack and slaughter them. Likewise, the false Jesus, according to Islam, will be clearly identifiable by the fact that he will defend the Jews. Thus, as we have seen, Mr. Abdallah and Muslims everywhere expect the Muslim Jesus, along with his leader, the Mahdi, to attack Israel and to do battle against him, whom Christians understand to be the real Jesus. The battle of Armageddon is prophesied in the Bible. In the Bible may indeed be the coming be coming into two into very clear focus and what that's supposed to look like. Now I hope today is on today's program and episode that you really got some meaty uh, information and idea about eschatology, Islamic eschatology. Some of it is quite scary, some of it is rather interesting. Um, I stand amazed and I don't get amazed or shocked very often how parallel this is. Of course, we continue to watch and we continue to wait. We continue to to be aware and not asleep at what is happening in our world. 
in my youth, I began to to study revelation and eschatology, and for some reason, I had always thought that I'd be an elder, and this might be possible. It might be possible in my day, in my time, that Jesus and all these events will come to pass, or at least begin. Those of you who do not know Jesus, the real Jesus, the Jesus revealed in the scriptures of the the Bible, I want to invite you to come to know him. He tells us of these days that are coming, and they're going to be very wicked and awful days. And if you repent of your sins and ask him to be Lord and give him your life, he will reveal himself to you. He will give you understanding that you've not had before in the scriptures, the scriptures, the Christian scriptures, the Bible, this Old Testament, New Testament. And he will give you life. He will give you an abundant life before you get to heaven. And, uh, I mean, I've walked with him for 35 years. I've had troubled times. And he has never left me. He has always been there with me. And all of us are going to go through trouble. All of us are going to go through suffering. But do you want to suffer alone and abandoned, or do you want to suffer hanging on to Jesus? So I invite you to come to know him. Go to him. Jesus said, come to me, for I'm gentle and kind, and I will take your your burden, and I'll give you mine. I want to thank you for joining me. If you want to contact me, you can... uh, you can send me an email at as the day approaches. Uh, let's see, at the day as the day approaches, at bb or mediacom. Okay, let me try this again. As the day approaches, at mediacom bb dot net. Mediacom bb dot net. You can write me, you can make comments, you can ask questions. And next time, at this time, if you'd like to join me on this program, uh, you can call and ask me questions. You can call and make comments. And hopefully we can start getting some discussions going as people know that I'm back on the air. I thank you for joining me. Have a good day.